This is for the nerds, this is for the brainiacs, this is what we deserve Go ahead and play it back, you ain't gonna touch me You not gonna do nothing, you are not above me I bet you wish you was me, I know that I know What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Only Friends podcast. You guys may not be able to fully see what's going on here, but I have absorbed Guapo's role, and I have to tell you, the man makes it look easy. It's not easy, is it? Bro, this, we, what are we, hour two of pre-production right now? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I apologize. Right. Uh, today, today's been a tricky one. That's why we come in early, you know? That's right. Yeah. Welcome to the show. As mm -hmm. always, the tortoise... Young Landon Tice. Landon. I'm here sometimes. Mm -hmm. we is this the last we're going to see of you? No. I mean, there's Pokemon stuff today, but I'm, I'm here. All right. Probably fade it. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll uh, be here tomorrow. No. Nope. <laughs> so it's Friday, big guy. Right. Mm -hmm. Thank God <laughs> it's Friday. That's right. Heinz Ward is in the building. That's right. We had to go to the throwback. Look, I, mm -hmm. I'm going to show you guys this. This thing is a fucking dress. Look at this. <laughs> Is that Jace's? Mm, is that Jace's? Wow. This is... Jace's catching stray. This is a Hall of Famer. Yep. Not yet. Not yet. Maybe not ever. Should be. Maybe not ever. It's uh, a very He should have got in point. just on his blocking. I know. Man. That's what I'm saying, man. What do we think? We think we're going we to pull the upset <laughs> I mean, this weekend or what? Upset? We're, well, we're, we're pretty big dogs. In the eyes of, you know, the experts. Yeah, what the fuck do these guys know? <laughs> I mean, I'm they just don't know saying. Shit. We're, what, what are we mm -hmm. down to now? Nine and a half points? Something like that. Nine and a half, yeah. Okay. Well, Didn't you get 11 against Platt? It opened at 11. Either 11 or 11 and a half. Jeez, let, let me, uh, let me uh, double check real quick. Uh, you guys can tell me yeah. what your thoughts the, are. Well, I mean, you see. Oh, like, I don't know if Brian thinks the Steelers are going to win or not. Well, I'm not sure. But I don't think. I think, I think 11. Even nine and a half is a lot. Yeah. It's, it's a playoff game. Higher it's, gonna, lower. it's higher or lower. <laughs> it's going to be, um, you know, a lot of snow, a lot of cold, a lot of all that bad weather is going to, you know, even the teams up a little bit. So, yeah, I like the Steelers plus nine and a half. You guys, I also like the Steelers uh, 100 to one to win the whole thing. 100 to one. Really? Yeah. Uh, There's I only was, 14 teams. I, I was asking LaManna to get some money down for me. Fuck, I forgot to mute the WhatsApp. Yeah. Uh, we're learning. Yeah. We're learning. Yeah. You know, we're right. on the job. Hey, learn on the fly, you know? That's right. Uh, <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're just out here. He pinged mm -hmm. a message from himself. If you I, saw the chat, it said Matt. I did. <laughs> <laughs> did it actually show up? Oh. Yep, there it, it is. This is Matt, Only Friends mm -hmm. podcast chat. <laughs> I'll take Bills minus 11 for double or nothing. Wait. Oh yeah, no, you're reading. I'm saying did it show up on the, no. on the screen? On the screen. No, 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 it showed no, up no. on okay. my screen. Okay, okay, that, that's a little screen. different. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm gonna show you guys what what Platt sent me. Mm -hmm. Um, just have to bear with me for a second. Yeah, but, you no, that's know. right. You, you, you get there. This is this, this is, is just so easy. Like Guapa makes it seem like it's so fucking hard. Like you just oh, said this. it's so hard. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It's, it's be. so dumb. How He's difficult this is. Learning yeah. stuff well, you're too. also talking at the same time and running and and like hosting and running the show, which is difficult. That's now you have to switch, you know, 
screens and get assets yeah. and also talk. I could do this. Lot. I could do this in my sleep if mm -hmm. I didn't have to uh, actually talk to you guys in the same process. Yeah, in the same vein. But yeah, I mean, the, we can make it the uh, the tortoise landing show. This is <laughs> this is very tricky. Where are we at here? Steelers Bills. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you were dragging it across incoming. Okay. So this is what Platt sends me, and he goes, "Double or nothing, I'll take Bills plus or, or Bills minus 11. Wow, double or nothing on the it was a thousand thousand bucks, thousand bucks, thousand bucks. So here we are, Damn. we're out in these streets just printing because much like my man Sean Perry, you're they moved the fucking yeah. lines for yeah. your boy, that's right? You know what they I'm did. saying? Like they really did. That's how you know you're on the right side of things mm -hmm. is because they moved the lines for your boy, and now I'm just printing EV. Now look, I'm not saying that I'm gonna go 27 and 0 all the time. We all know that doesn't happen, but I'm out here, my shoes are off, I'm Grounded. My brain's working so I can get you these fire picks of the Steelers minus 11. Get on it early. The funny part about it is he probably did take the Steelers plus 11. Uh, yeah, yeah, actually. <laughs> I mean, you don't got to be that fucking sharp to know that if you're betting against Platt, you're probably doing something relatively right. <laughs> wow. I mean, you know, bang, bang the Platt, but yeah, like, you, know, <laughs> you know how it goes. I mean, if he's going to come for the Steelers like that, you know, yeah, got to let him know. Yeah, you know, like, mm -hmm. hey. Bring, show me my money. You put up the like and subscribe wow. notification. Yeah, it was good. You know, you could just let it subtly no, happen. No, I'm we're gonna fucking cook it. We're gonna point out every little thing that you it's do. A, I don't know if that was an yeah. accident or not. It's of just course, seems, it's not an accident. No, I'm over here just clicking buttons. Yeah, yeah, like, bro's, bro's clicking buttons. I'm just for out sure. here clicking. So let's let's uh, <laughs> let's get to my man Sean Perry. We can talk a little bit about whoa whoa whoa. What do we got? What do we got? <laughs> I'm I'm still I'm cooking. All right, All right I'm cooking. That's okay. We're you cooking. Cook. I forgot to, you know, do the thing with the thing. Okay, let's uh, let's let's get to the <laughs> thing that cooking. I was referencing. Papo, your job yeah. is saved. <laughs> your job is safe. All it's right, let's safe. let's check this one out. Yet again, every single bet that I post in my Telegram groups, the line has moved in my favor. When you bet things like this, your bookie, I promise you, will cut you off because this is a direct correlation of you winning money long term. I'm not going to be one of those handicappers that sit here and say, yo, every pick is a guaranteed win. I'm going to go 180 this season. Listen, I hate to break it to you, but that doesn't happen. This is what I do for a living. I'm going to make money long term. I'm going to beat the lines and you guys are going to follow. So let's get rich together. Keep following my plays. Keep making money. Make sure you have my notifications turned on so you get in on the bets before others do. And don't waste time because the lines, I promise you, will move in our favor. Also on top of it, instead of just getting rich together, like I want you guys to be living an active, a healthy lifestyle. Like me right now, I'm at the park. I'm walking barefoot, I'm grounding. I just got done doing red light. It keeps my brain sharp so I can feed you guys good plays. I eat completely clean. I do zero alcohol, I do zero drugs. Yes. Yet again. I'm ready to eat, baby. Let eat with John Perry, let's go. He's feeding us, we eat. Did he get that outfit from Charlie? I think he got from Liver King, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, yeah, Charlie's has half a shirt on. Uh, I just played red light, green light. Fuck, my bad. Um, now I understand how Guapa does. <laughs> Right, I can see how how it easily gets confused, and mm -hmm. you hear some background noise. But yeah, uh, my this man Sean Perry, yeah. like I said, he's out there. He's grounded. He's doing some Liver King shit, so hey, he can bring you to picks. Touch grass, man. That's right, touch grass. My man Will Jaffe had a little something to say about this one, though. So I, I think that his response is worthy of listening to. Mm -hmm. Yet again, all of my poker students won money this week. All of my poker students got banned from playing in private games. Got banned from playing in clubs because the information I gave them was so good. And look, there's a direct correlation between getting my poker coaching 
and how much you will win lifetime in, in playing poker. So look, I'm not gonna be one of those bullshit poker coaches that tells you all of my students are gonna win because that's just not gonna happen. It doesn't work like that. I'll be honest with you, I'll shoot you straight, get in the Telegram chat, get updates ASAP. And in, in, on top of making you incredibly rich and have a prosperous family with a bunch of side bitches, I'm also gonna help you get fit, get healthy, like myself right now. Um, I'm eating clean, I'm right now, I'm actually at the park, uh, doing some grounding with my feet, uh, and I just played red light, green light for uh, mental purposes. So I'm super locked in right now, and I hope you guys will join me. Yeah, let's have a great year. What do we sign up for as poker coaching? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I'm in. www.dankness.com. Mm -hmm. Bro, his his uh his meme game is is very strong. Mm -hmm. He needs to stick to this. Stick to what you're good at, cause yeah. Th this is very good. Uh, <laughs> I, I like the, the the meatloaf. You know, the 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 hairy chest really really brought it brought brought it out. You know, I noticed he didn't say that he doesn't do any drugs. Uh, I was uh, I was expecting him to stay clean <laughs> to give the full uh, clean bill of health, but you know it seems as though he's out there maybe partaking a little bit. Um, Red light, green light. What the fuck is happening that Sean Perry is becoming a tout? I don't know. Wait, I I, I saw a tweet. He said he made millions of dollars playing poker. Does he play? He's, he's a poker player. He's I, won millions of dollars. Whether he has it or not is a different story. Yeah, like he's cash for a bunch on CGT. Has this he? is true. Yeah, like okay. he, yeah, yeah, like he was third overall in like the point system for Poker Go oh, a couple years ago. Okay, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, he stopped playing poker to find sports betting and grounding. So mm -hmm. shout out to bro. Right. Now we know it's it's something. Um, yeah. Sean's not dumb. He's he's a sharp individual. I played a lot of high stakes with him back in the JRB game, and uh, it was before anybody knew who he was. He definitely had the collective duped briefly. So it was one of those things where uh, I actually got corrected quite often by the Rex mm -hmm. because I would get so annoyed by the shtick that he was putting on that was so see-through. Like, there was an instance, I, say, I, I gave this example a bunch, but there was an instance where it was like Queens versus uh, Ace-King. And obviously he knows that Queens are... A slight favorite mm -hmm. and that anybody who gambles for a living would take queens all day long yeah and he just like keeps like professing that he'll take the ace king a hundred out of a hundred times that like it's a you know it's it's a better hand type of thing like basically just playing really dumb and the recreational is like even they know that queens has a slight edge here like right. they're not stupid they got rich in a way that is uh it requires some level of intelligence, but they're pandering to him and they're placating him and I don't get it. So he like gets up to go to the bathroom and I'm like, how can you guys sit here with a straight face and tolerate that level of bullshit? <laughs> and one of the guys looks at me and he goes, would you rather we kick him out? Mm. And I'm like, well, no, obviously like guys fucking rocketing it off here thinking that, that, you know, it's going to earn him a seat for life or whatever. Right. Um, he lost a pile in that game. Uh, but you know, my understanding is that he's gotten to game select pretty hard since, and he's probably made a lot of it back. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about his sports picks. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you've been following Weekend Warrior or anything, but like, you know, <laughs> we're pretty much smashing over here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, hitting those hires, hitting those lowers. That's right. Whenever you guys want to start that Telegram group, you just let me know. We're, we're something. Yeah, it's just gonna be Steelers and Dolphins picks. Right. Hey, better to be sharp on something. Stick right. to it, what you know. Exactly. You get it, man. Exactly. You get it. 
Uh, we, we're going to have a real snow-driven game this weekend. Man. So it looks like, I'm, huh? I'm excited for it. Yeah. You know, there, there was a, I should have I cued the video, but there was a, a local KDK news report saying like, you know, if you're heading to Buffalo. Oh, I saw it. It was amazing. If you're heading to Buffalo this weekend for the game, bundle up. Because it's going to be 50 mile an hour wind gust, mile an hour. Mile an hour. Uh, it's it's going to be snowing, cats and dogs, and you can't get your Mason Rudolph jersey anywhere downtown because oh. they didn't stock up and they're on back order. Right. So, you know, break out the Jeromes, break out the Palomalus. The Duck Hodges. The Duck Hodges of the world, if you will. Duck Hodges, <laughs> very popular shirt. Yeah. He was two, right? What he was number two right before Mason he might came? Have been. I think so. Yeah, uh, he's he's dating a, a very hot it would, country star now. Is he? Yeah. Good for him. Yeah, good for him. Yeah. Uh, and then they said, if you want the cheapest gas, I mean, it makes sense if your name is Duck, you have to have number two, right? Yeah, I would think so. Uh, and they said, if you want the cheapest <laughs> gas on your way to Buffalo, now this is a hack we already knew. Mm-hmm. We're well versed. We are in driving fucking uh, I ninety up to Niagara Falls because mm-hmm. we used to round that area. You know, if you want the cheapest gas, you stop in Irving, New York, home of one Silver Creek bingo oh, hall. Oh, man. Back where it all started, Brian. That's right. It was a bingo hall. We never played bingo there. We never played bingo. Well, no. well, we, we played, played a little bit of yeah. bingo, but different <laughs> In the form of two cards. Yeah. Two card bingo. One, one, mm-hmm. no limit, Landon. One, one. Three dollar rake mm-hmm. plus two dollars for the bad beat jackpot. Mm-hmm. You ever hit that? $40 maximum buy-in. No, but I did make a Royal Flush there, and they gave me a white polo shirt mm-hmm. that said Royal Flush. That's true. Seneca, yeah. uh, Irving, yeah, Silverton. I, I actually Silver, believe, Silver, Silverton, I, I, think, Silver Creek. I think Silver Creek has since closed. Yeah. Long, you still have that shirt? Closed. You know, it's got to be somewhere. I don't have it. It might be It might be back in uh, my parents' house. I feel like this is something Chico I'm, has. Next time, he just rocks Where's it. Where's the shirt that you yeah. still have? Which shirt? There was a shirt that you had of like an all-star. The 94 all-star jersey? Yeah. I'll wear it one of these days. I was going to gift it to LaManna for Christmas. Yeah. yeah. That would be I don't want that God, shit. that would have been so fucking based. If I didn't earn it, good. if I didn't earn it, I don't want it. I earned that. I earned that Royal Flesh. That's right. <laughs> I earned it. That is true. Oh, man. Yeah. So, you know, you get your gas there because uh, I think $2.99. No, no taxes, right? That's right. Yeah. It's an Indian reservation. Get yeah. cheap cigarettes, too. Mm-hmm. Old PJ. He likes to go oh, up to the yeah. PJ, my neighbor, uh, former, former Navy SEAL. Uh, he gives me the old hoorah every time I go home. Mm-hmm. By the so, way, Perry's going to get, uh, not to go on a side tangent here, but Perry's going to get his face mushed in one of these days by a fucking actual Marine whenever he's ending <laughs> all of his Instagram videos with hoorah as he's fucking touting a bunch of pics and scamming people out of however much. Maybe he much. was a former Marine. No, you know, he wasn't. <laughs> I can fact check that one. Look, yep. There it is. Not as still lean, what, still as mean, always a Marine. Still was not a former. But yeah, PJ, man, big smoker, loves to go to Salamanca just to hit the slots and get yeah. some cigs. You know, he comes back with those generic ass mm. uh, filterless, whatever, Salem's, I think. I don't know. Man. Loves it. Man, I miss those days. <sighs> I tell you. Round in the old Seneca, Niagara. I'm headed to Canada. Yeah? Yeah, I'm going to Montreal. Uh, You've decided you're going? I am. It's locked. Well, assuming I can get my passport. Locked in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to get my passport renewed or whatever the fuck happens when you lose one. You have to go to the embassy. Yeah, I have to go to Arizona. You want to Arizona? Next Friday. Why not? It's the, trust me, Tammy did the research. It was the fastest way to like get in and get out of a city. I could have went to LA, but I had to be there at 8 a.m. So I would have had to go the night before. That's miserable. 
Yeah, I've had. Well, I went with Jenna on the LA trip. Yeah, but took a day. For, right for me, I'm trying to do this as quickly as possible. So I didn't want to go to LA like 9 p.m. the night before, get a hotel, spend the night, battle traffic to get to the fucking place by 8 a.m. Miserable. Battle traffic back to get to the airport by like noon, and then get back here like mid afternoon. Mm-hmm. Instead, I can. Uh, I got a 1 p.m. or 12:30 p.m. Uh, appointment in Tucson. Southwest flies direct. So I land at 11, Uber, get the passport, Uber back, home probably by 3. You can get the passport like immediately. immediately. That's the plan at least? That's... Uh, You're trying to speed run the passport game. That's... that's I, you made it, I made an emergency appointment. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they, they give you a three-day emergency window. Made it. Um, and yeah, I, I'm... It seems as though that's all I have to do. I have to show up with money, a passport photo, and uh, proof of travel. Most of the time, it's passport stuff like free, but because it's expedited, it costs money. Mm -hmm. Well, it's not free, but it's cheap. Yeah. It's going to cost me like 400 bucks. What's happening in Montreal? Uh, So WPT Global, um, they are hosting a meetup game at Playground during one of their uh, tournament series up there. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be myself, Schwan, and a few others. Uh, we're going to be playing, I believe it's January 31st. So once again, I'll be spending my birthday weekend, uh, <laughs> at a casino. Yeah. But this time I'll it's get not to, so you'll be all right. Yeah. I'll get to see the lovely faces of our Canadian brethren. And, uh, yeah, we're hosting a meetup game, I believe on the 31st at playground in Montreal. Then there is a main event day one, a on the first day one mm-hmm. B on the second and day two on the third. So uh, I'm going to be playing in that and, you know. Make sure it doesn't conflict with the Steelers AFC Championship game. Fuck, I didn't even consider that. (laughs) Nor should you. No, no, no. No, I did consider that actually, Brian. I actually, Uh, believe it or not, not not that I was considering the AFC Championship, but I was considering Super Bowl weekend. Okay. Because I was like, I'm not going there. Right, if it's Super Bowl weekend. During the Super Bowl, while the Super Bowl's in Vegas. That would be insane. Yeah. Um. So I looked, and the Super Bowl is the 11th, I believe. It's the 8th or 9th, maybe. Hmm. Sounds right. Yeah. Uh, I don't have easy access to I it. Do. Oh, yeah, I do. There we go. It is... Oh, yeah, you're right. The 11th. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Sunday the 11th. So I'm there the week prior, which means it's off week. Yeah. I'm there during news week, you know. Yep. Uh, I guess... There's no Monday night. They would never do a Monday night champion. It doesn't matter. Monday's my birthday anyway. I won't be traveling. So I'm traveling Tuesday. Yeah, there's no Monday night. Yeah. So actually, when it's all said and done, how hilarious is this? When it's all said and done, we're going to have a month of shows of just mostly you and me, a little Mm -hmm. Landon sprinkled in. Yep. And then whenever Conrad finally gets back, I leave the next day. (laughs) (laughs) Hand off. Hand off. Come come fucking do it, buddy. Guapo will be back at that point too. So. You know, we'll we're be... trading you for Conrad and Guapo. Yeah, I think it's a fair trade. Yeah, I think it's a fair trade. Two for one. Yeah. What, what are you What are you getting at here? Landon? I was just making sure I knew what the trade was. Oh. <laughs> okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh. Well. Now you know. There it is. There it is. <laughs> there it is. Uh. Okay. Let's. Uh. We got a. We got a user submission today for. In the muck. Let's. let's get uh. He's really in the muck. So oh. let, let, let's get to this one. All right. Uh, 
All right. Uh, we have a very special submission from one of our uh, esteemed Discord members. All right. Big shout out to... Uh, hold on. Let me get the name. Oh, <laughs> I thought... I thought I needed to click on it to, to bring the name up, but no, it's just r dot dot dot. R dot dot dot? Yeah, I got tricked. All right. Shout All right, out so to, big, big shout, shout out, out to R. Big shout out to R. How you doing out there, R? Mm -hmm. uh, respect, Don't leave us hanging. Respect to my guy. Um, he is playing 1-3 no limit, and in this particular instance, he's going to be the button, and he is going to be 150 big blinds effective. Not that so. it matters, but do we know where, where, he's, where he's playing at? We don't. It was okay. not disclosed. Uh, right. Could be a home game. Could be a... Could be a uh, home game. Not if it's one of Will Jaffe's students. Could it be? <laughs> That's true. That's right. Respect it's Jaffe. Out. So in this instance, he's going to fold to him on the button, and he's going to have king-queen offsuit. Uh, his name is actually not Vic. I just forgot to change it. All right. Um, so he's going to open 4x to 12. Seems like a good And flop. How do I pause this thing? Whoa, okay, let's, let's go back. Okay. Ooh. So he's going to stab pretty big here. He's going to go for the old 75 percenter. Okay. Uh, and he's going to get met by a call from the big blind. Now, queen seven deuce. He's, this is chunky. This is a greedy bet. Very greedy bet. Seems dry and advantageous for us. I would say so. So turn four doesn't really change too much. We're going to see uh, the old big blind just take the lead here. Okay. He's going okay. to lead for 40%. Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> Game is gone, bro. River three. Uh, okay. We're going to see another like hedgy-ish hedgy bet of, I guess, like 40-ish percent again. Mm. And uh, Vic feels like he was in the blender here. He's, he's going to elect a call. Not Vic, but R. Uh, he's going to elect a call with the old king-queen. And even though the replayer won't display it he gets shown the bad news of five six of diamonds mm. for his opposition okay so they had back doors on the flop yeah six, six high yeah back doors so let me read what his question was on the in the muck uh as you know maybe that will frame things a little bit better he said my question is was my pre-flop or flop sizing too small given the villain decided to continue past the flop I can't help but feel I went too small somewhere. I figure on the end I was crying calling against a set or maybe a weird as hell two pair weird that the big blind just decided to defend with and I don't think I have any folds here. So I think this is this mindset that people have and I've noticed that it's like they think they can control and I, you've spoken to this before, Burke, where mm -hmm. they think they can control what the other person's going to do. Like yep. It's just like, oh, well... If I'd have just bet bigger, they would have folded their flush draw, and mm -hmm. then they wouldn't have got there, and I would have won the pot. Why well, I should have just bet bigger. It was a big mistake not to do that, and that's just not the case because you're kind of forgetting the rest of their range when you when you when you're focusing on the only thing that happened to beat you. Yeah, I think there are two points specifically that I'd like to hear your guys's response on. First and foremost, um, his notion that uh, when he arrives at the river, he feels like he's making a crying call versus a slow played set or weird two pair now he faced 40 percent on turn and river can you guys talk a little bit about uh why he would feel like at this point in the hand he's making a crying call in some sort of capacity emotional hedge that's all okay. i got yeah i think i think maybe when like you you have the lead in the hand and then all of a sudden uh the villain takes the lead out of position you you've maybe you just think like well they must have just improved a lot 
enough to to take the lead and be comfortable with their hand because they don't if they're if they're like check calling leading if they're saying they don't care if they get raised so um so then i guess maybe you you just think well i just have one pair and and that's not enough but the fact that you know they bet like they bet 40 percent on the river and that should not make king queen indifferent no <laughs> but no but like shot. somehow it did it just kind of bre- i mean it, it made like the the specific person it just breaks like game flow where standard mm-hmm. no limit live small stakes whatever mm-hmm. uh like there's always the bets in the checks and it goes check right. call mm-hmm. check call or if somebody raises they're gonna mostly barrel the turn a yeah. ton there's not much of the disconnected lines of the check raise check or the lead never really happens anyways. So when mm-hmm. the lead does come in, it's that feeling of my hand's really good and I bet big on the flop, but now he says that he has a better hand than top pair. So now I'm kind of scared and yeah. not sure if my hand's good right. anymore. Yeah. So to catch everybody up that may be listening on audio, the situation is folds to the button. We raise with king-queen off to 4x. Big blind defends. Comes queen of clubs, seven of hearts, deuce of diamonds. Check. Bet 80% call. Turn four of diamonds. Break flow lead for 40% call. River three of spades. Bet 40% again. Call down with king-queen and get shown the bad news of 5-6, which is a backdoor nut straight. Now, I, what I was trying to kind of pull out of you guys... Uh, and I really need to hammer this home because we got some in the mucks lined up for next week that are going to challenge this concept. Mm-hmm. But uh, specifically, <laughs> this is what I'm talking about when I say that you need to have the mindset of just pay. So these situations, I definitely agree with you because mm-hmm. it's just like... It's, it, if yeah. not this, then what? If not this, then what? This, so like, right? Like, put I, that there, on a t-shirt. There, <laughs> <laughs> no, right? So like, I disagree with Get like a, a lot of situations where like they're just gonna always have it. But in this situation, they just they just didn't put enough pressure on you. They just have too big of a range here for you to to fold. Like, it's not like it's not like you bet all three streets and then they check raised you right river right that's different right Right. that you're just going to get shown the now i i want to not going to get shown a block i want to defend my just pay narrative a little bit and then i want to kind of talk about some of the things that you guys mentioned here because i think they're worth mentioning uh so first of all when i'm talking about just paying like look i understand the advice that i'm giving you guys like you're going to lose money (laughs) my advice for you it's to call with the worst hand not, and not, give them no, money. No, 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 not that. Not, not over the long run. You're not going to lose money over the long run, <laughs> right. but you're going to lose money until you adapt to the other aspect of the game tree. It's not that it's a mistake to pay. What's a mistake is that you're not aggressive enough with the rest of your hands. Mm-hmm. So because you're not bluffing enough, then yes, when you're put into a position to bluff catch, they have it. Because they view you as being value-centric. And this is applicable to almost everybody listening to this in the low and mid-stakes. Guapo included. I wish he was here for this. I know that he's convinced that he's like redlining these people to death, but you're not. What's happening is you're barreling with fucking pairs. Mm -hmm. And you're getting calls and then folds. and Or just immediate folds, right? Or your C-bets are getting through on the flop. Getting your C-bet through on the flop, yeah, of course, that adds to your red line. That is not what we're talking about, though. Right. Right? Like, that's just clearly taking advantage of an imbalance in the pool. Mm -hmm. And uh, you're you're making immediate EV because they don't defend enough, whatever. 
point being is that when your river bluff frequencies aren't high enough, when your turn bluff frequencies aren't high enough, when your check raise frequencies or uh, your check raise bluff frequencies aren't high enough, then yes, the entire pool itself, you included, will converge on making really tight conservative folds because nobody's showing up with the nothing. However, if you are the aggro guy in the game who is going for it with value and going for it with, with bluffs, people start to fight in ways that you wouldn't ever be able to predict. You will start to see a lot more random hands in that check raising range by your opposition. You'll start to see a lot more randomness in these breaking of flow turn donk lead spots, right? Mm -hmm. Now, with that said, the biggest reason why I'm saying just pay is almost a preemptive punishment to you. <laughs> you need to develop a callus around the, the idea of it's okay to lose with the top of your range. Mm -hmm. Right. If you don't ever develop the mindset of certain hands are worth certain amount of pot share. And if I happen to lose when they are worth that amount of pot share, God bless. So be <laughs> yeah. it. Right? Yeah. This happened yesterday where I, uh, I bet two pair got jammed on and I'm like, well, I mean, I'm probably going to lose, but the hand's too good. I'm not going to worry about it. Right. And your win rate's not going to be predicated on making these folds. If anything, you win rates can be predicated on not making them. Exactly. That's that's precisely it. And I understand when you're in an environment where it's like you just get shown a better hand time and time again, they're that predictable. It's like, yes, that's true, but it's a trap. If you fall down that rabbit hole, now you can't bet anything, right? How can you bet? Because if you get responded with any level of aggression, you have to fold, even if you're at the top, and they don't call enough because you don't bluff enough. So like, what are we doing here? We're all just checking down to the river. Yeah. The, the way to break this is to get yourself calloused to the point where it's like, if I have certain hands that are high enough up in my range, then they possess enough equity where unless I'm facing like ridiculous sizings, which you never will, you just pay. Facing 40% pot, like you're supposed to pay down to like third pair here. Yeah, like 40% on the river and you have top pair, great kicker, like second best kicker. It's just a layup. Oh, I, I don't like and first this size you're calling with like a lot of hands that contain yeah. just a five mm -hmm. I would yeah you just call ace five well ace five is a straight or sorry you just call like flops bottom pair yeah like seven mm -hmm. five it's queen for seven like, deuce right you yeah just have ace deuce and yeah that's smaller on flop right? yeah, yeah and and like you just have like seven five here that like you happy call with because what the fuck do you got you know, like what, what are you trying to say that you got here? You, you call with like hands that contain a six because what, what are you trying to say? But yeah, like if he had nine, eight of diamonds, maybe he plays it the same way. Yeah, maybe. Right. And now you fold like, and now he's left with like nine high mm -hmm. and he bet any, any, any bluff just hedges. Four, yeah. He bluffs 40% on the river. Cause when they bluff, they always bluff like small, like right, that. Right, yeah. And now you're folding King queen mm -hmm. and you're just torching. Like, right. Brass, Absolutely. Torching. Like brass taxes. Like it yeah. simply does not matter. It doesn't matter what he's doing. It doesn't matter what the bluffs are. It doesn't matter if you can find them or not. What matters is you're getting a sick price on the river with a really good hand. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's the callus that I think I'm trying to encourage people to build is stop worrying so goddamn much about how you can save money with the best possible hands mm -hmm. that you can be holding in this scenario. Yeah, there's like a weird ego attached to never paying or never yes. never getting the money in bad or it's never... It's like the old Kessler mindset. Well, mm -hmm. it's like the Helmuth, like I put in like, I, mm -hmm. I've i made this huge fold somewhere else, but then I got my last five bigs with Ace-King versus Ace-10 and the guy that put it in with Ace-10 is an idiot. Right. That spiked it off. It's like, right. well... And I, I think you're, I don't think you're saying like, don't ever make exploitable folds. No, because, well, I'm because, saying don't yet <laughs> earn them. Right. Yeah. Right. You got to earn the exploitable mm -hmm. folds. You need to earn 
the ability to fold these good hands because you're so confident in your strategy and where you're making money. Otherwise, if you're folding all these big hands, where is your money coming from? Where are you earning? That's the part that I want to know. Right, like it's clear to me that Guapo is making money in these small mm-hmm. stakes games. It's clear to me that I, you're I think, making money. I think in these so. Games. Like I think if you ask the you know the average person that question, they would say, "I'm earning my money by saving money by those folds, and then them calling me when I have the same hand. Them not making being able to make the fold where I can make the fold." Well, we just know that's not true, though. I know, but I'm saying that's what I, I know. Happen, I understand, right? but like that's the catch twenty two, <clears throat> mm-hmm. right? Is that we just understand that you guys aren't getting your value paid often enough, right? Because like you're afraid to bet really strong hands a third time because by the time you do, yeah, they only have better, yeah, you know, that type of shit. So like, yeah, I agree with you. You're going to extract more value from the top of your range when you get to be the aggressor. It's just more so about like keeping that in mind. Like just because you're in the defensive note of the tree doesn't mean that these hands would like shrink in value. Um, the second thing I want to touch on is like what happens when flow gets broken, like Landon was talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, the easy assumption is that like, oh, that card improves somebody, and that's true. Generally, when someone breaks flow, it's going to be because something about the texture of that card in particular gives them the impetus to want to bet. More right. two pairs, more straights, more trips on a paired board. It's like a middle or small, mm-hmm. right? These are spots. It's like when you see middle pair, uh, middle card pair a lot. You see a lot of leads. Yeah. Right. Come in. And that, that in theory makes a lot of sense because you now have a large concentration of those sort of hands like as you the defender. Checked and called a bet and they placed a bet. So your range is tighter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, now what I want to say about like this particular texture is that card doesn't change anything. All it does is bring diamonds. It doesn't really improve any two pairs. Like if the bro, if bro has seven, four or queen four, God bless. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you going to do? You're not, you're not trying to mitigate your loss here versus like these, hands that make up one percent of his range right you know that just simply doesn't matter uh but what he does do is pick up a lot of backdoors now Mm -hmm. and sure there's a world where like he has a set and he was planning on check call check raising but then got scared because he thinks you aren't going to barrel the four Mm -hmm. and chooses to lead instead yeah Yeah, that world exists or he just has like queen 10 and now he wants to protect his exactly those hands fall in the same category yeah Yeah, the bet to find out where i'm at i think the fear is after big bet on flop on rainbow board the back doors aren't that relevant or necessary and sure sometimes like bro has weird straight thing Mm -hmm. but we're not here to predict if he has weird straight thing Right, right we're here just does it make a reasonable amount of sense to have a flush draw? Kind of, if they have a pair with it. But now, why would you lead it? Right. I don't care. Like honestly, mm-hmm. I don't care. I don't care because it doesn't happen. I don't care because it doesn't matter. Yeah, I don't need to. And figure I have out a king why. and a queen. I can just raise here for value. Exactly. Like exactly. it's fine. Exactly. And I think you touched on the last point that I wanted to make, where he was asking if his sizing was too small on the flop because six high found its way to the river. Like this how guy made a bad play. How can I go it? like, can I go two X pot to make him yeah. fold seven high, no draw and only get continued on by better. Yeah. That doesn't sound very good. Yeah. You never want that. Right. Right. So he's missing the forest for the trees here in the sense that like the guy made a clear mistake. Yeah. And rather than being happy that we're extracting value from such a poor range of hands, we instead focus on like, we what get could, mad about it. Right. Because, mm-hmm. because now R makes a bit of an error on the turn by not raising. So it becomes full circle of like, how could I have prevented my own error by uh, allowing him to prevent his own error also? Cause what ends up happening is the way the mind, like, like the range moves in a particular way. Right. 
based off of the actions that took place. And because he bet so fucking big on the flop, he had himself convinced that only better hands were calling now. <laughs> Yeah. Right, so he just stripped himself of all right. the value of king queen. And if you go even bigger, like you, you reduce it down to like set only sets call, right? Or something like that, and that's just a terrible spot to be in when like, you have oh, top I, pair. I flopped king queen on queen seven deuce. I went all in because I wanted him to call with worse, and he called me with middle set. Yeah, yeah. like it very clearly, there's a line where it's like this I, is too much. I would mm -hmm. be curious if, um, if out of position had checked the turn, if R would have checked back, because my inclination is the answer is probably yes. I think people understand that they need mm -hmm. to take corrective action after putting in a large bet and getting called, right? And that's the, the biggest issue of all that we're talking about here. This is why no one wants to fucking pay at the end. Yeah. Because they make the error early in the hand and they overly funnel their opponent's range into good, good hands and high equity hands, mm -hmm. which then naturally dilutes the equity of whatever it is that they were betting. So now the turn comes off and they have to check back and now they leave themselves bluff catching with the top of their range on the end. <laughs> And they feel like it's never good because their opposition doesn't doesn't bluff. Yeah. They forget about the times that like their opponent then checks a third time on the river and they have a clear value bet now with top of range, right? Mm -hmm. So it's this weird catch-22 where it's like, well, if I check back to induce a bluff on the river and I get said bet or I face said bet, my hand's no good. <laughs> but if I check back to induce a bluff on the river and he checks, I know that he has worse showdown value and I can now bet for value, mm -hmm. right? And that's probably all true. It's just a game not worth playing. Like, it's a fool's errand. It's too much mental capacity. Yeah, you're just doing mental gymnastics here, trying to manipulate outcomes that instead are... It's just lazy, man. Like, and sorry, I'm not, like, harping on R here. This is a mid-stakes problem as a whole. Right. <laughs> it's a lazy way of thinking because you don't care to understand your own range or have any awareness over your opposition's range. I don't even know if it's lazy, more so as an emotional hedge to protect their value and try to win the hand. Where it's like, if I have the best hand now, how do I continue winning the hand, even if it means I don't get value on the river and they improve? Right. So it's a lack of desire of playing the quote-unquote game. It's not the optimal strategy. It's a strategy that lets you win. Yeah, well, not just let you win, but let you win less. emotionally hedge so that you're not losing with good hands. You're trading real dollars for mental cope. Yeah, it's like <laughs> the notion of uh, like just jamming aces pre, right? Because you don't want to have to play them post and then deal with the fact that sometimes they get cracked. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I make this mistake sometimes in some lines where I'd rather not play the uncomfortable river and get value on the turn. And sometimes it actually does forsake value. Mm -hmm. So it's not like it's something that actually actively goes away. But sometimes we all get emotionally attached to trying to win certain pots, whether it be in a, in a tournament after losing some, whether it be in like a big cash game and you have like a big pot and you're thinking, if I lose this hand, uh, I'm going to run out of money or I'm going to have a losing session and that doesn't feel very good. And if I just got value on the turn, I'm, even if you know that you're making an exploitative play, mm -hmm. is it the actual right decision or is it something that makes you feel good because you know if you get called by worse and you win, but if yeah. they fold, you don't lose to a rivered flush or whatever right. it could be. Yeah, yeah, It happens at all stakes and all spots, but like some spots it's a lot more clear to have the decision versus the mental hedge. Yeah. Yeah. So the big takeaway here, if we want to just summarize, I think is to just understand that uh, your ability to control outcomes or even to control actions by your opposition is near zero. All you can really concern yourself with is what your exact hand is worth and what your range is incentivized to do. So it becomes hyper important to have some concept of how board textures work and how they interact with your range, how board textures allow you to be aggressive versus passive, 
and how your range then will shift dependent upon if you took an aggressive action or not. So, you know, betting 75% pot on the flop is certainly not a thing. Like we, we're pretty confident of that unless like the big blind is just ridiculously tight. Mm-hmm. If he's ridiculously tight, then yeah, you get to have big bets, but it's because you don't get to bet very often because he just has really good hands. That's well, he, never going to be good the case. When he that, continues. That, that, I guess that's not never the case, right? Because like there's certain... On this old, texture. Yeah, but I'm saying like there's certain like old man coffees and there's certain like players who just are very, very tight. Now when you raise the button and they respond with a call you're like okay they do have a tight range because this person just plays super tight yeah perhaps you know perhaps but i mean I'm saying that's a specific yeah situation that's, even that's really pl- not incentivizing you to bet larger it's just incentivizing you to bet less right less less frequently it's, it's giving you more checkbacks on queen seven deuce it's the weird in between of you don't bet as much because if you get check raise it's really annoying but these people don't really check raise they just check call so how bad can a bet really be well if you're betting into a 12 percent range with a 60 percent range it's going to be bad yeah, it's gonna be very bad. You know, if they have a three, if they have a range that's supposed to be three betting pre almost exclusively, then yeah, it's gonna be really bad. But um, that that's neither here nor there. That's not the point that I'm trying to make. The point I'm trying to make is is such that uh, you can't you can't control the response. You can't control the outcome. All you can really control is how you derive value and EV based off of the hand that you hold and the range that you currently possess matching with the board texture so the desire to bet large here because you have a value hand is very very ill-advised you know you don't have good bluffs that want to go 75 percent pot here especially when your range is infinite you know if you're opening a proper button range you have like 60 percent of hands uh and then secondary to that it's you can't fall victim to the fear response whenever your opponent then decides to just like do random shit like, if they want to block bet into you on the turn out of the blue on a card that's, for all intent and purposes, good for your range, then you just get to say, fuck you and raise. Mm-hmm. You know, you have position, you have the range advantage, you have the EV advantage, you have all these things, and these are critical, critical things to understand if you even want to break even at mid-stakes. I don't care how soft the, I don't care how soft the games are. <laughs> like, can you play a very basic ABC non-theoretical strategy at mid-stakes and make a very small earn? Absolutely. But if that's your ambition, God bless you, but that's also going to be your ceiling. You know, you're just going to be the guy who shows up for entertainment purposes only to win a few bucks an hour and kind of knit a sweater in the process. If that sounds fun, do it. I I don't want to discourage. The machine's good because it doesn't really care about what the runouts are and what the board textures are. It just finds ways to play spots regardless of what happens. Mm -hmm. And the more that you can get into the mentality of, yeah, sometimes a four-liner comes when I have a set or sometimes a flush draw comes in when I have a set versus always playing these spots aggressively, it's actually going to help your win rate even more. Yeah, agreed. All right, let's uh, take a look at what happens in theory in this particular spot. So... You can see that like we do have a clear range bet here. This board texture is about as advantageous as you'll see mm-hmm. for the button. Where's Queen the wizard? Deuce. Uh, <laughs> we'll get to the end. Oh, okay. Because this hand goes off the rails very quickly. Gotcha. Uh, so you'll see that like past this point, nothing theoretical happens. <laughs> Shout out to Queen uh, 5 off from the button. So we're, <laughs> we're pretty much capped at uh, a 40% pot size here if we're going to bet for range so betting 75 percent obviously is going to change the strategy a lot but let's just follow through assuming we bet smallish and we face a call turn is then going to be the four of diamonds and as you can see we're going to face exactly zero leads here uh 
or at least I'm pretty confident. Yeah. So no leads, no shock. Also, you can see that 6.5 suited isn't in there at all because when we choose this larger size of 40%, uh, Big where, Blind needs to respond with more check raises. Where's the 0.1% that, that leads? Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Can't even find it. Uh, so like, uh, you can see that it's a pretty aggressive check raising strategy here and it's going to be rather polar. So these yeah. backdoor type hands, 6.5 of diamonds, these are going to be pure raises on the flop. Now uh, you can see no leads. Can't even find it. Check, obviously. Uh, or actually, we shouldn't even do that. We should, we should see what happens when it leads. Uh, and now you can see king-queen playing near pure raise. Uh, so there's a couple combinations, specifically king of diamonds, queen of spades. This is it when they do lead. Correct. Okay. Uh, so king of diamonds, queen of spades will be the combo that like wants to trap here a little bit. But outside of that, like just a complete pure raise. And the reason for this is that you just deserve the pot share, right? Like King Queen just has so much pot share here that it's losing money if it allows out of position to realize its equity for such a cheap price. Mm -hmm. It's just what, what I mean by pot share is it's just worth more than 40% of the pot. So going back to uh, the, uh, ours question of what can I have done and like I sh maybe I should have bet bigger on the flop, what you should have done was raise the turn. Correct. And that, that's how you prevent uh, that uh, deny them equity and prevent and, and get your bigger pot share. And, and it's not even about denial, right? It's about right, just they might, charging. Right, charging. That's what yeah. I mean. Yeah, I should say. Cause, because as you can see, they're not going to fold. Right, and as you can see, it's hand. it's a very polar race size. Mm -hmm. So we're raising to 115% of the pot. I, I'm almost positive this is 2E. So we're going geo here so that we can be all in on the river. And you can see that this strategy is driven by our sets. So it's our pocket fours, pocket sevens, pocket deuces. These are all pure raises, right? And then we start to build around that with the strongest top pairs. So it's aces, ace, queens, kings, uh, less so queens. That, that gets to be our pure trap or close to it um, because it's just so good that our opponent's drawing dead a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. uh, but we use a lot of like top pairs, the stronger top pairs, king, queen, king, queen suited. These are all pure raises. Um, and then, you know, we'll obviously sprinkle in a lot of bluffs. Most of these are going to be diamond combos, whatever the case may be. And the 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 uh, the majority of the players out there are going to find the top. Right? They're going to yeah. find the raises with the fours and the sevens. Yeah, for sure. Right, for, for sure. sure. They just they, don't, they It's hard to find the the, the, the biggest other error side. they'll make is they'll make it too small. Mm -hmm. Right, they right. they won't go for this pot size. Now, obviously, when we do raise pot, five six of diamonds is either going to respond through a call or a jam. Uh, it's never going to fold. It's too much equity. But that's not the point. You mm -hmm. know, the point is that. We want to do what's most heavily incentivized. So error on the turn, uh, for sure, coming through a call. Now three of spades on the river. Um, you know, he, he gets a lot of bets, but it's supposed to be a block. Uh, this is largely because he has no 6-5. So he actually doesn't have the nuts here. He does have a little bit of ace-5. And you can see uh, whatever king-queen gets here, albeit very little, it's just a pure call. Like, we're so happy to call. Uh, versus small size. So 25%, 40% doesn't really matter. Um, so, you know, if if we're talking about what does the wizard think of uh, this entire line? Just angry. Oh, it's, it's, it's unlucky. It's Sorry, okay. R. Sorry, R. We're not, we're not fans of this one. Now, I did go ahead and run it in a, in a manner that uh, allows us to see what happens if we node lock. So I think this is a good opportunity to kind of demonstrate how node locking works in this particular instance. Uh, obviously, we can change bet sizing. That makes it pretty easy. Um, shockingly, you still get to range bet. 
for 75%. I, I was a little surprised to see that. Um, I didn't think that this would actually function this way. I thought it would change a lot. But this is the only reason this is true is because I have him node locked at pretty much a pure call with most of the hands that will be playing raised. So you can see I only have him raising 4.5%, and it's very value driven. So it's going to be all of his two pairs, sets, um, and then like a sprinkle of hands like 5 4, which is uh, nothing but a backdoor, right? Like um, hands like 7 5. I allowed those to have some raises, 8-6, whatever. Um, most of that was just because I don't know where he's pulling his bluffs from, so I lazily just like left in what theory would do. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, because he really doesn't check raise us at all, what that allows for is it, it works backwards. So now we're allowed to range bet again. If I took this node lock off, we were only betting like, I think, 75% of the time for this size. And we had a lot of hands that would like pure check, like jack four suited, pure check, uh, jack five suited, pure check, that type of stuff. Um, when they don't respond with enough aggression, which I think is going to be very true in the live realm, uh, then we get to see bet a lot more freely, of course. But we're taking advantage of the fact that there's an exploit available, right? And we have to correct for that now on future streets. So if we get back to the sim, what we can see is uh, we're letting him call basically with like six, five, any backdoor. Turn four of diamonds, and now I node locked him once again. So if you want to see like how I locked this, uh, I guess I don't need to really pull it up. You can see where the candidates are locked at. Mm -hmm. um, but I basically just had him blocking with hands that improved. So either improved to a diamond draw, a straight draw, or to a uh, two pair plus, right? So I have him blocking with like sets. I have him blocking with like queen four suited. Uh, I have I, I missed the seven four suited one, but that's that's kind of okay. Uh, I have him leading here a high percentage with like six five. Uh, some of the diamond draws like queen x of diamonds. I have that in there. Ace five. We have that in there. Um, you know, ace three. All this type of stuff. Like it's it's all just kind of the intuitive nature of what we would expect happens at small stakes, where people see card and it either drives fear in them or it excites them because it had some impact on their range, right? So we locked them for a strategy where the card impacted their range and they chose to bet. <laughs> now, as you can see, King Queen doesn't change. Still worth full 100% pot share, Yeah. right? So we're still going for it here uh, with something pretty close to a geo size. And uh, it's still driven by the exact same hands that were previously driven in the other strategy. It's built around our value. Our sets are going to go for it. Our overpairs are going to go for it. And our uh, top pair pluses are going to go for it. And that is, bear in mind, that is with me giving the lead only high equity hands. Right. Right? Yeah. It's, it's mostly two pair plus and then combo draws mm -hmm. and some other diamond draws. They just have enough combo draws and enough diamond draws for you to still be able to raise the Precisely. Top pair. And we have enough equity against a lot of the two pair plus right. type of things, right? right? Like the bottom twos and, and shit yeah. like that. Yeah, when you think about all the diamonds they can have, all the straight draws that they can have compared to their just their value, mm -hmm. it's it's lopsided. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So uh we do continue through a call in spite of the fact that, you know, this is gonna be a raise with our exact candidate. River three of spades. 
We gave him his 45% lead frequency. You can see 6-5 plays a pure bet here. No surprise. And again, like this lead is pretty value driven, but he also has like, Mr. you know, yeah, he has enough bluffs, right? He has like the Jack nines that just decided to YOLO it off on the turn and, and follow through. He's betting relatively small, so he doesn't need to re even have much board interaction. He just needs to find the bottom of his range and hope that it can pick up the pot some percentage of the time. Now, when we look at our hands that have gotten here, obviously, like any queen that has gotten this far, there isn't a lot of it, but any queen that's gotten here, pure call. So, R, you're not in the muck when it comes to the river play. Right. The muck was the flop and the turn. And the turn was predicated upon the flop, right? By river, you felt like you were always beaten because you bet so fucking large on the flop. You felt like hands like what existed would have folded the flop. Therefore, if he doesn't have enough bluffs on the end, and it's hard for him to have a worse queen taking a check call lead lead line, my king queen must be no good, right? This deductive reasoning, though, it has a lot of flawed logic in it in the sense that, well, he called you a six high on the flop, my guy, mm -hmm. you know, which means he has a whole host of shit. Yeah. What does Queen X out of position do on the river? For out of position? Mm -hmm. Let's take a look, Landon. Uh, I would assume it probably blocks. Nope, it checks. Yeah, this is why you can't really bet. A little bit of blocking. This is why you can't really raise the king-queen. The, the offsuit queens mm. are the ones that are doing... Uh, actually, it's just queen-jack that checks. So it's his best queen checks. Everything else does the blocking. That kind of makes sense, right? Yeah, it makes sense. It just frees up more bluffs queen, for imposition. King queen plays call with like most of the hands that. Well, it's because of the raise size. Like if you look back at river raise size, it's all in. Yeah. Now if you jam, you don't get called enough by worse queen x. Correct. And you get called by like two pair plus. But if you have like a custom like small raise size, it might get in there. Yeah. Like you do like a raise fifty instead of one fifty. Yeah. King queen, like you still target queen nine, queen eight, right? Whatever those hands are that can exist, but. I wouldn't jam king queen if that if I was only playing jammer jammer yeah, yeah. call yeah. as a strat. It's, it's it's a little bit too weak. I agree yeah. with you. Um, yeah. So I think that that is a pretty good example of uh, what I've been complaining about. If 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 that's the right <laughs> word, um, this is why. Like I should have elaborated on the just pay right, yeah. and I think this gives us an opportunity to. It really just comes down to uh, controlling your your sizings. And understanding your range, right? Mm -hmm. Like at the end of the day, when I say just pay, I'm really just telling you like stop sweating the coolers uh, and start understanding that most of the money is being made actually quote unquote in the muck. Right. So uh, if you find yourself in the muck and you would like to submit a hand for us to go over on one of these segments and see if it's wizard approved, uh, be sure to head over to our um discord channel you can find that i have it say I, I keep saying i keep making this mistake i keep saying it's pinned to the only friends uh twitter account but it's actually pinned to the solve for why twitter account right. so head to at solve for why tv uh you'll see it as our pinned tweet that link will take you to our discord channel you'll find a forum there where you can submit your own personal in the muck segment which we will cover at some point on this show moving right along as we tend to right do. Right along. Moving right along. That was a good one. That was, that a, was good a good one. one. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed that one. Um, so yesterday was the Poker Go Championship. Played down to a winner. Uh, it was a two-day tournament. So uh, the way this was billed was sort of like rake back to those who really grind the PGT 
uh, leaderboard. Top 40 made it. They added in this Dream Seat uh, additional thing, which there were two qualifiers that came from the Last Chance series. That was, uh, shout out to Wagons, Dylan Stefano, and uh, who's the other one made it? Sam Laskowitz. Right, your boy Laskowitz made it. Uh, so those two snuck in based off of the uh, Last Chance series. And then kind of out of nowhere, I think, uh, a bunch of other recreationals were just kind of like added to the field. And my understanding is that the prize pool was largely put up by some sponsors, Monkey Tilt and what was the second Mezcal? one? Mezcal. Mezcal, yeah. Um, and I guess the sponsors had the opportunity to just get random wrecks and have them you know, go shield the brand, but also get the play for their portion of a 500K prize pool. Run Good also had a seat to give away. Okay. So there were, there were a handful of them. Now we can get into the discussion of what this all means, and we will because uh, Foxen was rather outspoken about it, and I think it's an interesting discussion to have. But prior to that, Phil Helmuth was in the mix. And, <laughs> you know, according to him, he had a hell of a year. Yep. Um, <laughs> boy. Had a boy, Phil. We're, we're all proud of you, big guy. Uh, so he had a hell of a year, but... He was very disappointed in busting this. And honestly, like, uh, I, I guess before, before we actually get to the Helmuth interview, uh, I had a little something to say about this. So I tweeted out and I quoted the, the, um, the interview or whatever. And I said that we all have a little fun with Phil's consistent ego fueled, by, fueled behavior. But I think this was genuinely one of the most sincere interviews he's done. Nice to hear a more thoughtful version of him peek through the thinly veiled brags. Now, you guys can kind of tell me what you think as far as this interview goes uh, and if you agree or disagree. Phil, overall, were you pleased with your play today? Overall, yeah. I, I'm curious about the, the last hand where Sam moved all in. Um, did he really cool me again? I think I, I get frustrated. I get frustrated. I've only played like uh, 15 Hold'em tournaments this, in the last nine months, and I've won two. So I'm actually killing it. And then these guys in the studio, they play every day. They play literally, they've all played 50 tournaments. And so it's kind of, kind of did feel good, at least when I looked at the board, only two people had won four tournaments in the last year and I won two. So it, it frustrates me because I want people to know that I'm still just crushing in these tournaments. Now all the great players know, the poker world knows because they've seen what I've done the last uh, three years of the World Series of Poker. But yeah, I'm a little frustrated that I don't get more reps. I mean, I, I haven't played a tournament in the studio since March. And then I, I played the other day and now I played today. So I want to show people that, you know, that I can still, that I'm still at the top of the top. And, uh, but you have to prove it too. So, um, and my results the last three years are, are pretty phenomenal, but I just, I mean, I have the massive chip on my shoulder, folks. Maybe it was the way I was raised. You know, I think, I think I was, uh, you know, I was always, I was never great at sports. I was never great at anything. And so I think there's a part of me deep inside that's insecure, even about my poker results, even though I know how good they are. And so then I'm always bragging, da 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 So um, I've had a... a, a uh, three pretty good years, but yeah, yeah I, uh, I think even at this stage in my life, even with everything I've accomplished, uh, there's going to be some insecurity, and I think that's just part of uh, being a human being. 
I'm surprised to hear you still feel like you have something left to prove with all of your achievements. Is it just that you want to continue to show people you've still got it? I think I think there's there's a thing where hold on, I'm turning this down. I think there's a thing where you can be the all-time great in a sport and maybe there's a lot of people that that give me all-time great status in poker. But who cares? Like then you're, you know, I mean like you want to be the greatest today. So there's two things, all-time great. My results are all-time great. But then there's today. And so that's very, why I'm pleased at the last. You don't want to be a ceremonial guy. You know, you want to be the guy that's like, oh, Phil's here to play. You know, you don't want to be the ceremonial guy. And so the last three years, I think my results in the biggest tournaments are number one or number two. And, uh, but I'm not getting the reps that I want. So, so that's pretty cool. But, I mean, like, you just never know when your time is over. And I think, based on what Doyle and a lot of the other great players did, they were all great into their mid-70s. And so that gives me quite a bit of time to achieve my goal of 24 World Series of Poker bracelets. But yeah, there's always insecurity. There's insecurity about friendships. There's insecurity about, you know, uh, about life in general. And, and I think everybody listening to this can, can face that and, and recognize that. And you would think, wow, Phil knows he's great. Phil knows this. Phil. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. You know, I mean, uh, we just don't, you know, I just think, and then I think that's part of being a human being. And I think if you walk around saying, thinking you're the greatest all the time, then you won't improve. You won't get better and you won't focus. So, you know, doubt hits me, doubt hits, you know, all the greats in the sports that they play. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that's why Michael Jordan worked so hard. I think that's why Tiger Woods worked so hard. And you know, I'm lucky enough to, to hang out with those guys. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, you look at Michael's Hall of Fame speech and, you know, it was all about, hey, I got dissed in high school. And, you know, and so you could see some insecurity there. The same thing with Tiger. And so I think that, you know, no matter what you accomplish, you're still not going to walk around all the time. Now I walk around happy. 90% of the time, but 99% of the time, maybe, but, but yeah, interesting discussion about insecurities. Here I am laying my heart out. Oh, I'm insecure like everybody else on the planet. Thank you for the time, Phil. Guys. <laughs> so yeah, I will be seeing you. <laughs> All right. Uh, wow. honestly, that was, uh, yeah. I right. think that's as close to humble as, yeah. as Helmuth is capable of, right. to be quite no, frank. For sure. Um, he still had to let us know that he hangs out with uh, Jordan and Tiger, but like you know, <laughs> it was still it was still humble. The overall arc of the interview was humble, humbling. Yeah, I, I think that's why uh, I'm saying take it with a grain of salt. Like I, I truly think that that is Phil being at his most humble. Mm -hmm. um, fuck, and, man, fuck, you know, man. it's like bro's getting up there, man. He's getting a little older. He's getting a little more further removed from MTTs. He's getting a little too rich for this shit, perhaps. What if we just see him go into the lab and just start grinding solves and the wizard and he just becomes this like GTO, just like, you know, just like trying to get on the level of all the high rollers. Well, this is my issue. Right? Because, you know, I feel like he's avoided it for so long, right? Like the theory, the, you know, he plays his game and, and he doesn't adapt to what the game has become. He's going to continue to avoid it because that's the strategy that he wants to play by, which is fine. But then there's things that he said, which is true, call it all-time great. Like his results are really great. And 17 years ago or however long it's been, maybe even longer, right, that he's been playing 
uh, poker. He's obviously cemented himself as a coach. He won the World Series in 1989. Yeah, it's pretty sick, you know? Yeah. And now he's coming up to the point where he's realizing the game is kind of passing his strategy by. But instead of saying, like, okay, I want to be looked at as one of the best today and adapt and call it get into the lab and do these things, he's going to continue doing the things that he's always done. And at that point, it's not going to be able to... You're not going to have the same results that you're going to have X amount of years ago that's, when... That's kind of like my ultimate question here is, you know, Brian kind of proposes something that would make some sense if you truly do want to compare yourself to Jordan, uh, you know, always out there grinding and, and what... Jordan was going to evolve no matter what the game was. Mm -hmm. He wasn't just going to like try to tough it out. He right? played like, baseball even, you know, like he played multiple. But also like at some point he found the weight room, you know, uh, in the early 80s, athletes didn't lift weights. Right. They just stayed agile and that was it. And then he, you know, came into the late 80s, early 90s where it became a bruiser type of league and he just got bigger. And like, you know, LeBron's another great example of that. Like bro's just a fucking animal. He's a lineman on wheels. Uh, that the equivalent of that in poker would be studying theory deeply yeah so my question then becomes does he care more about winning or does he care more about preserving the ego that he has invested in having done things the way that he's done them his entire career because the fact is if he went to theory and truly studied it at depth he would find that the vast majority of what he does is not approved yeah and he'd have to admit that to himself right. and maybe to others right now where i do think he would find some validation would be within the icm model yeah. i think he would actually oh, find sure. a lot of validation mm -hmm. like he kind of got a lot right when yeah. it came to how icm approaches mts yeah well yeah i well, mean you know he's just risk averse icm mm -hmm. predicates tournament life over anything else he's good at preserving his so he's yeah. There were things that he's done that are correct, like open folding sixes from low jack. Yeah. You know, and just like raise folding off of nine blinds. Like, yeah, raise folding 15 off of 15 with ace 10 off, where mm -hmm. back in the day or whatever, if someone puts you all in, it's like, oh, of course you have to just stick it in because you're last in chips. But he knew some things that were correct, call it from the practical sense, where if people played wider, maybe he wouldn't have the strategy, but he did mm -hmm. adapt to player pool. But now in the things that he's trying to play that can preserve the GOAT status, right? The people that are winning in the PGTs and the super high roller bowls, they're all playing very theoretically sound with some adjustments here and there. Mm -hmm. And they're willing to put in the work and put in the hours like behind uh playing doing running sims and saying okay is my intuition correct here am i wrong versus phil having the strategy of i want to win my way for as long as i can to prove that i'm the greatest i honestly think that that's better for him because i think that trying to overhaul 30 40 years of experience into a more theoretically sound strat doesn't offer the same fruit that it would to somebody who is younger fresher and more open to mm -hmm. these concepts because the fact of the matter is he's not going to become like he's just not he's too rich and no offense but like too old to put in enough work to be more theoretically sound than Chidwick. the drive isn't there yeah. yeah right but even if it were it's just like the resources he he's living such a life of abundance like the resources necessary to uh get better than chidwick at theory yeah it, it's you got to be 21 poor and hungry right right he'd have to you know this is literally have to be all he does right like day in and day out and does he want to give up his life for that right like jordan at 40 isn't trying to go out and figure out how to be better than kobe yeah you know it's just like you pass the torch mm -hmm. you just recognize like game recognize game i can't at this age do what you do now at 19 yeah it's just not a thing you know and 
I think Phil was, I think that's what we're seeing in this interview. Right, I was going to say, that's kind of what was coming through. Yeah, well, yeah. But he's not really, he doesn't really want to pass the torch, though. No, he does not. <laughs> he wants to keep the torch. Right. He definitely wants to. And, yeah. and understandably so, because generations <laughs> prior to him, like Doyle's generation, were able to have that staying power. The game really froze in time for quite some period. You know, from the 70s to like the boom. Yeah. The game was just like frozen in ice, you know, and nothing really changed. Doyle's super system, he wrote that in the, what, late 70s, early 80s? Something like that. It was still applicable in 2003 whenever mm -hmm. we first got a hold of it, yeah. right? But by 2008, this book may as well have been shredded, you know? Once Let There Be Range and more <clears throat> in-depth theoretical concepts started to come to the forefront, mm -hmm. like... Yeah, you can't just fucking jam all in with a draw, bro. Like that that's not going to cut it anymore. And I think that that's kind of the issue that Phil has to suffer through is that the game is evolved, like the game is going through an iterative process every maybe it was at at first every 10 years. Every and two, then it was every, every 5 and now, now we might be down one. to like every one or two <laughs> years, yeah. right? And that's just really difficult to keep up when you've already made your money. So unfortunately for, you know, his ego He's not going to remain at the top. And that's okay, bro. What you've done is remarkable. Yeah. You know, it's it's unrivaled. Right. And it won't be challenged because the fact is the top and the middle are just, the gap is closing day after day after day. Right. Variance is truly choosing the outliers in most scenarios. So it's that like, wasn't the case back when he was playing. No, like, like best no. players, like best no. players won more. Right. Daniel and right. Phil were gonna be Daniel and Phil regardless, mm -hmm. barring them like hitting so far some streak where they go broke. So far above the the rest of the field. Correct. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I was uh, playing Poker Go stuff. Daniel was on my table talking about how poker was back in the day. He was three handed in a limit tournament for a bracelet, and he was saying that people would just like start folding blind versus blind with a like, king jack off pre flop. And it's just like, okay, like this Daniel's going to win because he's simply better and knows that you can't do these things. So variance mm -hmm. isn't going to pick the winner. He's just going to win. And everyone was even in chips. And then after a few levels or whatever, he had 80% of the chips in play three-handed. And yeah. it's not a surprise. Right. But that's how tournaments used to be. Right. Now it's just like you play a no-limit three-handed final table and you're playing a super high roller. Everyone knows how to put the chips in correctly and responsibly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think honestly, like, let's... Good. Let's let's move on to the next era. Like whether he wants to pass the torch or not, like it'll get passed. And I think that like we'll all have a lot more respect for this version of Phil, which you know he still was able to keep his ego intact. Like he's still able to remind us that he has seventeen bracelets and he's going for twenty four. He's still able to remind us that he's richer than maybe the top ten winners on the fucking mm -hmm. uh, PGD tour or whatever. Like. He's able to re he's able to kind of like stick a finger in our eye and say like, hey, just so you know, this is what making it fucking looks like. Hey, and the way they're giving out bracelets now, he might get there in the next couple of years. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know anything about anything when it comes to tournaments, but I do know that... Uh, like the, the boulder always moves, right? He gets 24 bracelets. He didn't say he wants 30. Yeah, sure. Well, of course. Sure. You always, he's not going to get to 24 and say... I'm out. Well, it depends on his age. If he's 70, yeah. he might. True. You know, at some True. point, you guys spend True. some time with the grandkids. Yeah. You imagine if it's like he's like 80. He's been like, he getting it and like he turns We all 80. thought Doyle was going to get his 11th, right? right? And yeah. It just never happened. Yeah. But like, could you imagine he just like, he's like 80 and he just finds and he just finally gets that 24th bracelet and he just rides off in the sunset? God bless. I hope it happens. Way to do it. I I, uh, I truly do hope it happens. It is the odd thing when it comes to ceremonies, but then like having these outfits for the main every year. Yeah, it's weird. Mm. Like, I don't want to have all these ceremonies. And it's like, well, 
you make an entrance. He had well, you know, the thing is, I think he's done it for so long and so many times that I, 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 I don't think he can stop now. Right. He just can't. Right? It's just, it just. It's a thing. It's a thing. It's, it's a his thing. Yeah. He's not going to stop doing it. Like, well, not one day he's going to wake up and be like, you know what? I don't want to have a big entrance. How this long year. ago did that? Was it just been always? Like, I don't know. Well, I don't used know the to, lore. So it, it wasn't always this theatrical. He used to. Um, he would always show up late. Right, and this is before late registration was a thing, right? Right, he would just be blinding off. Yeah, he'd be blinding late. off. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it was just a way to like, hey, that's an empty seat, that, and it's getting blind off. That's Phil. That's a seat. He walks in, everybody notices him, and then ESPN like, camera crews already right, set up. Right, exactly. But he yeah. wasn't like dressed up and had a band behind him. He didn't have the Triton. Then, he didn't have know, the every, gimp suit. Well, the thing is, every <laughs> the gimp suit. Every year you have to, you know, you have to kind of one up it, right? So uh, now it's become what it's become. Yeah. Which it's okay. I'm okay with it. Yeah. Doesn't bother me. Yeah, it doesn't bother me yeah, either. He's cooking, let him cook. People I, like I'm, it. I'm down for the for the Helm Youth. Yeah. Uh yeah, I'm cool with it. What whatever whatever the fuck it is. Um we did see a tournament come to a close yesterday. Uh big shout out to Arden Cho who got heads up in this thing. <laughs> she was one of the uh I guess ambassadors that was put in mm -hmm. by one of the sponsors. So nice two hundred and fifty K score for her. Uh big win for my guy. Smil Smilvich? Smilkovich. 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 Smil Smiley. He's uh he was the Smiley. <laughs> he was Shout the, out to Smiley. Shout out to Smiley. <laughs> he was the unfortunate uh one who sent the the money to Munker guy. He got it back and then he won a bunch of shit. Yeah. He's been crushing it. He mm. did well in the uh the last chance. And now obviously ships this free roll for five hundred thousand. Really nice. I imagine I guess I shouldn't say so certainly, but I would assume like the top 40 want to do some swapping amongst each other. Maybe you just like swap out 40%, 1% to everybody in the field. That seems like a, a pretty smart approach. Make sure that you get a little bit of rake back get from this type back. of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but in any event, like big, big day for him. He was able to uh, ship this bad boy for 500K, I believe. 500. Uh, you know, ultimately mm -hmm. taking down Arden, as we mentioned. Uh, really really kind of wild final table you know uh she played a lot of interesting hands and at one point i believe three or four handed held the chip lead all the way down to basically heads up um not entirely certain how it worked out where uh smilkovich ultimately took over the chip lead I, I think the hand was posted oh i know what it was he uh flopped or turned trips hmm. uh versus her top pair and was able to beat her out of a reasonably uh decent pot wow she just she she's pulling out all the stops here just up out of her seat can't beat that top pair type of thing like we we still got some outs here you know Not many. there's an ace in the it's deck it's the classic bag pick up walk away you know sit back you gotta, down you got to do something you got to try can't yeah. just sit there got to yeah. do the prepay pull, right. pull yeah. out all the stops you mm -hmm. know that that part's true that part is very true 250 is nice 250 yeah. is pretty nice um you know i i think that it's it's worth noting that uh and this will lead us into our further discussion that, you know, Foxing kind of made the, the comment of, um, well, like, what's going on here? You know, we paid rake all year long. This was supposed to be some sort of, uh, you know, gift or return to those of us who finished in the top 40. Like, those of us who showed up day in and day out that grinded this fucking tour. Uh, this was supposed to be a scenario where we get our just dues and we basically have like what 20 25k in ev for showing up to this free roll now all of a sudden there's an extra 10 people in it 
you know, and that, that's, that feels a little bit off. And then one of them happens to be a drunken mess <laughs> at one of the feature tables. Like that also feels pretty shitty. Like who are these fucking guys? Um, before we finish that, this, this hand was so sick. Uh, so Arden opens Queen Jack. It's called by uh, Arthur out of the big blind. I think this is with five left. Um, she double barrels here with a really good candidate to do so. Uh, you know, he's definitely under repped with ace jack. He has a clear check call on the turn. So nothing really to see here. But the river, the river tends to get a little bit spicy, you know. Uh, we see the, uh, I'm just going to fast forward because these guys take so goddamn long. Uh, it's, it's really ridiculous. I mean, just do something already. So the river five of clubs comes through. For all intents and purposes, a brick. I would imagine if we ran this, this is definitely not a, a lead spot. Um, but Arthur goes for it. So they are about pot effective. So Arden has 300k behind. There's 320 in the pot. She's obviously jamming should he check. Um, and he probably has a pretty clear call off. But instead, he bets third pot. And this is where I was like, okay. Okay, this is going to get really weird and a little bit spicy. Because you're going to lay him a really good fucking price. Quarter pot. He went quarter pot. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. Um, so I see her take one chip off. And I was like, okay. So she's going to be all in minus a chip. No, no, no. No. Nope. <laughs> she leaves... Five whole big blinds behind, uh, which when you're only jamming for now third pot is not very much. So here it's 120 to win 605. And my guy just says, she can't be, he falls victim to the R strap. There you go. See, just pay, bro. It happens to world-class players. Yeah, just, just pay. pay. <laughs> just fucking pay. What, what's going on here, my guy? They always have it, huh? Pay. They always have it. This is the problem when you break flow and you do things that don't really add up in theory. You know, you put yourself in a scenario where it's like they're never bluffing and then they have the fucking bluff and you, uh, you want to end it all. Uh, um, you but love get, that you love that hand. You feel so good. It's so good. It's, so good. it's, so, it's especially so good because like she just saved a hundred thousand for like yeah. really no no good reason. Yeah, right. you know. So now it's only a hundred thousand for him to call instead of like two hundred thousand. Yeah, which again, you know, it's it's uh, it's it's still seems like a perfect size. She got it through, and when he does call, she's still you know she's still just in. wild, just absolutely wild. Uh, so getting back to the fox and tweets. Uh, we could see here that he said, I love the poker go tour, but the PGT championship that was uh, also, I agree wholeheartedly before we go any further, calling it a championship in, implies that this is a closed event yeah. and for the players of the tour. So I, I do think that that's worth noting. Uh, it was supposed to be a reward slash showcase of the highest performers of the year that was turned into a complete joke by the dream seat nonsense. Not only did some equity from the poker go regs, uh, not only did it take some equity from all the poker go regs, but it made a mockery of the game itself. Leave the clickbait nonsense shit to hustler live or whatever, wow. which Vertucci was not happy. <laughs> my, yep. my guy had some things to say. No, I mean, I know it's shocking. No. I understand. You, you mean he didn't just leave that one alone? Yeah. You would think, right? You would think, but no, no, he, uh, he went, he went for it. We might be blocked by Oh no, we're we're unblocked again. Okay, so we'll pull that one up in a second. But uh, you made it out. <laughs> we did make it out. Um, so yeah, we we uh, continue on with the fox. <laughs> he said, "Leave it up to the hustler, whatever." Uh, believe it or not, people enjoy watching high-level poker. <laughs> we don't need to race to the bottom to get views, especially in an event that is supposed to have significant prestige. Don't get me wrong, Poker Go Tour giving back to the players like this is incredible, and I'm extremely grateful that. 
I only take issue with the execution that turned into something different than what I believe that should be for poker, the PGT business model, and players. What uh, what do you guys think about Foxen's response here? Uh, let, let's start with Landon because uh, I think that you initially, when you were talking about uh, the PGT tour, you kind of had a different take on it that um, I think a lot of the public also shared in. Yeah, before you realize it's an overlay tournament, adding more people to it doesn't actually help. Right. Like so, I was initially under the impression that adding more people was better for the tournament, Yeah, but it's not. Right. It's right. a free tournament. It's a free, yes. Right. right. So since they're not actually putting up a buy-in, um, it's, it's problematic now to add more people because effectively your seat is worth free EV. Right. right? You put up $0, your seat is worth 25000 like infinite ROI, mm -hmm. right? Because you can just make yeah. 40K minimum off of zero. Right. No matter how bad the person is you're bringing into the tournament, the more people you bring in, then the value of your seat goes down. Yeah, and this is easily uh, exemplified for anybody who doesn't quite follow is what if they invited 1,000 people? Right. Dead money is only dead if they're putting something up. Right. It's otherwise just a drain because mm -hmm. uh, it's impossible to have a negative ROI. Right. You didn't put any money up. Right. So everybody in the field has a positive ROI. Mm -hmm. And the more people you put in the field the lower that ROI becomes, Correct. right? So, um, uh, and I, 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 should, I should qualify that as the lower the dollar amount that ROI is worth because for everybody, it's infinite. You put up zero and you can win something. Yeah. So it's infinite, but the dollar amount decreases. So, mm -hmm. you know, they add 10 people, your seat may go from like 25K in value to like 20K in value. They add 100 people, it might go down to like 2K in value. Right. They add 1,000 people and now all of a sudden it's like $200. And what are we even fucking doing here? Now, mm -hmm. obviously, that's not what happened, but... Um, <laughs> the point is the scale. The, right. The point is the point, right. Uh, so, I think... Uh, Whose who's response do we want to go to first here? Uh, let's, let's, let's look at mine first. Um, I, I didn't have much to say on this subject. I was just kind of per perusing through the, the replies, and I found one in thread where uh foxen was responding to david williams david williams basically just said uh sorry i went to you guys that's not what i wanted to do uh so david williams basically said a good solution slash compromise to the pg2 uh championship pro dream seat debate is to have two tournaments which i think was kind of like what you were proposing landon yeah. um kick off with a pro-am invitational free roll fun event similar to the current one with more fun players and then a championship for top leaderboard players with a buy-in and added money must play the first to play the second to give players a chance uh, to play with the top pros in the arena. I don't necessarily know if I agree with... Uh, I, I, I think it should still be closed. Um, but, you know, nevertheless, I, I think that this is... Find some ways in for some people. Yeah, this is like a pretty reasonable solution, I suppose. Um, but uh, I think that, generally speaking, um, this wasn't it. You know, like if we're talking about what's the best approach for PGT as far as like putting this championship, I, I wholeheartedly agree with Foxen in this instance, I think. Like you want to be able to showcase the best in the world in mm -hmm. some sort of capacity. And also you want to reward them for showing up for you because you've yeah. built a product off their back for the better yeah. part of a year. Or the regs that show up. Yeah. Yeah. And they're also doing some things for next year where you need to have at least three caches in order to qualify. Mm -hmm. Because for this year, if you spiked the main, you got to play. Right. And for them, it's like, we're adding points to the main because we know all of our regs would like to play the main and have some potential good value there. They get some points if you make the final table. Mm -hmm. um, 
But then it also feels like some bad optics if there are some regs that grind the series every year and try to play a seven figures in buy-ins just to get wrecked by someone that FT'd the main ones. Yeah. Uh, so I was looking at the in thread and David Williams replied to Fox and said, tell me you didn't win a dream seat without telling me. And he was obviously fucking around yeah, he was mm-hmm. teasing. and Foxy just goes, I want to wake up and grind against top players daily and finish on top of the leaderboard seat, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is just like such a fucking great response. Mm. Um, so we can kind of get in a little bit of, uh, what happened as far as like, I don't want to call it a mockery, but like speaking to Fox's point, right? There was this guy, um, uh, I can't remember his name, nor do I care to, uh, but he was basically just like fucking drunk as shit at the feature table. He ended up blasting all the way down to like 21st or something along those lines. So he's there, he's in the camera. And uh, honestly, like this has become kind of a staple for these free roll events that run at poker go. Like they turn into a party, which is great. Like when you have amateurs, fine. It's I've a been to- in that studio. They have an open bar. Sometimes. They do. They yeah. definitely do. Uh, and it's fine. Like when you have an amateur, <laughs> when you have like a pro am of some sort, like by all means, you're showcasing a different event. Like have a good time, showcase a home game, like live that environment, take control. But I think Fox and point is really valid. Like you have 40 of the best players in the fucking world. Don't dilute that. You know, don't add 10, people in there Mm -hmm. that that just you know unfairly made their way in like they weren't contributing to the rake they and yeah you could say like they're not on the same competitive level but it's an mtt and it's a fast structured one and it's not that arden you know deserves in some way to have her deep run cheapened by this like it's amazing what she did she beat the best in the world to get second place but also like it's a fast structured tournament there's variants like you'll see that type of stuff occur it'll happen enough for the time right and obviously it happens enough because we see amateurs playing like the the high roller events right and we see guys coming through and pulling out wins who may have like a break even or negative ROI sometimes it's your day yeah yeah sometimes you just get to win um so i i would just yeah i i think i lean on the side of lit's preserve this event in some sort of capacity and showcase the best of the best i do best. think a program's a good idea like have yeah, the best players in the world also mm-hmm. have some people that want to play with some of the best yeah, players you, in the world. You kind of get bo- the best of both worlds, right? Yeah. Where you do have, you do have like the fun players and the craziness that can happen in this tournament. And everyone knows that's what that tournament is. Yeah. And then the other tournament is the prestigious, really high level play that we come to expect. Yeah, I think that's true. Uh, now let's take a quick look at Vertucci's response to Foxen, which I don't, a lot of words here. <sighs> I'm I'm happy for you. I'm sorry. (laughs) Sorry that happened to you. Sorry that happened to you. I I mean all that. It's uh, it's it's wild, man. Like, how does does he have like an AI that just scrapes the internet (laughs) for the times that like Fertucci or Hustler Live is mentioned? It's like if you add Phil in a tweet, Uh, uh, it auto likes it. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's true. He definitely has a bot for that. Yeah. Uh, so Fertucci's response was: These are some strong words from the Tank Stare King. Deep. That cuts deep, bro. No, uh, my take, since HCL was mentioned, is PokerGo runs an amazing operating... I assume that means operation that gives you a lot of opportunity to do what you love. I'd let them handle the business end of things. Okay, that... Hard fucking stop. Like, that is so aggravating to hear that stance where it's just like, hey, bro, just shut up and dribble. Okay? Mm-hmm. Like, you're in the league. Just shut up and dribble. Mm-hmm. It's like... We fucking pay to play, goddammit. Yeah. You know, and a lot of people made decisions throughout the course of the year on what events they were going to play based off of the free EV that they were going to get at the end of the year. Getting a 20K kickback 
in uh in ev of these seats 25k 30k whatever the fuck it's worth that can be a good motivator for people who otherwise might be like pretty close to breaking even we see this online all the time like the rakeback pros that are are you know grinding for the sake of they have the ability to win a half a big blind per hundred but they're Mm -hmm. getting like you know enough rake back to where it kicks up to like three or four or five yeah you know and that's sustainable that's that's a nice livelihood so i don't like this arrogance of coming from the vantage point of protecting the operator just because you are one or like whatever you know it's like bro we all get it fucking wrong like businesses get it wrong all the time and obviously like we're very critical uh, of that specifically on the show because i think like it's important to be player first um but it also is just like tell me you're not a player without telling me <laughs> you know it's it, it's that kind of thing where I, I just don't fucking get it um continue on with the tweet it says furthermore this should never be about what one player wants okay it's definitely not one player there's 40 fucking players he's speaking on behalf for and i promise you not a single one of them mm-hmm. wants 10 recreationals sucking ev out of the out of the prize pool yeah uh all that free poker and clickbaiting has grown poker for all of us in the community. Many new players have come into our community because they enjoyed watching HCL. Uh, something to keep in mind, a lot of viewers do find it boring to watch long tanks and stairs. And nobody, all right, This is just like a word salad. It, it, it's just, it kind of just like drags on to being gibberish and it says a bunch of things that like you can't really fundamentally back. Like, you know, have many new players come in because of live streams? Maybe. I don't know. Do you know? You know what the numbers are? I don't fucking know, man. Maybe they came in because tournaments are booming right now. Maybe they came in because fucking Bitcoin is up. Like, there are a million... It's so hard to isolate one variable, and it's so bothersome to me whenever, like, people just arrogantly state that, like, I'm doing so much good. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, you're never going to hear me touting that, like, the Only Friends podcast has grown the game exponentially. It's like, we're very small and very insignificant. And I think that that's true of... I think we're the sole reason that the World Series of Poker main event uh, broke records this year. I don't know about you. You know what, Brian? I think you're fucking right. <laughs> I absolutely think you're right. Oh, I thought you were going to put the wizard up with the check mark. <laughs> Bro, I'm not there yet, man. I, if you think oh, I'm there, man. you're you sadly were, mistaken. That, that would have been, that's when I know you would have made it yeah. as, a, as a switcher in this no, game. That, that would have taken some copying and some pasting yeah. and some real quick. If you did that, then Guapo would have started worrying about his job. That, hey, as you should, Guap. <laughs> These tortillas ain't free, buddy. Um, All right, so just putting a bow on all of this, uh, what are your final thoughts as far as uh, Dream Seats moving forward, as far as operating the PGT Championship, as far as, like, you know, uh, how, like, like Foxen's take is is, uh, when it comes to, like, delineating between products, right? Basically saying, like, don't become uh, what we see five days a week on YouTube. Yeah, I don't think the sponsorship money or like raising a prize pool is going to be that difficult to mm-hmm. have two events. I do think that the two event strategy makes the most sense and gives the prestige to the players that have been playing in the entire year and also have the pro-am event that people want to see some of the best players in the world operate and function with some of the people that watch consistently. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of people that watch Poker Go and subscribe to it to watch the final tables and it's easy to try to think you know what's going on behind the screen but then actually playing a hand against some of the best players in the world is a different experience and definitely some some that people do want to have right but kind of having the two events makes a lot of sense to me yeah i agree with you i think there's room for both there's an audience for both and um you know if you can if you can put both on then then you 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 will see that and then at some point too it's not like everyone from the top 40 in the pgt for a prime would even want to play 
Mm-hmm. So if they don't want to play, that's completely valid too. Yeah. Because some people will want to play for sure, and then some people won't. And then just kind of figure out the logistics from there. Yeah. <clears throat> I think that that's, um, I think that's a pretty reasonable take. Uh, and look, like we're not, we're not criticizing PokerGo in the sense of like, no. how could you fuck us so bad? It's, I think that was a very soft criticism by, by Fox. And I think that it's worth echoing. You know, it's just like sometimes, sometimes companies like swing and miss in a way that isn't that harmful, but very blatant, right? So this isn't, this isn't that big of a deal. It took a couple thousand dollars out of, you know, your high rollers pockets and they're all going to live and they all appreciate what you do anyway. They get break breaks through whatever. The, The point is, is like, it's not life or death. They didn't, they didn't like completely ruin the value of the event or anything along those lines but it's such a tone deaf swing and miss right mm-hmm. it's 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 completely misunderstanding what the event meant to the players like the spirit of the event not just the spirit but like truly what it meant to them right like it's it's an absolute um it, it, it's an ability to like ev farm in some sort of capacity right and then on top of that it's it, it's an opportunity where Nobody's risking anything and they just get to battle straight against the, the, the leaderboard, right? There isn't a wreck in the field as far as I understand. Like, I don't think any wrecks made it into the top 40. Maybe though, I, I might've overlooked it. Anyway, doesn't really matter. Point is, is like, this isn't your usual 25K, 50K open event where 10% of the field, 15% of the field is kind of deadish money. This is like the best of the best competing for a very large prize pool uh, with nothing up for grabs and that's a model that's worth proving if you're poker go mm-hmm. because that's the direction we want to start to see things take if we want to see elite talent and put it on display we need to be able to incentivize them and a free roll like this where they're playing for six figures in in uh in, in pri- or seven figures in prize pool and you know five figures in ev is a great fucking starting point it's almost like paying them an hourly yeah to some degree right mm-hmm. so i i think that like that's just what we're saying is that it's it's a real big miss and it's a blatant miss to anybody who's really thinking about uh, what this event means to the audience, what this event means to the players, what this event means to poker as a whole, uh, to the growth, to the p- potential modeling moving forward as far as like things that are sustainable. Um, so yeah, it's like, you know, they shouldn't be dragged for this, but like, no. I, I think like a slap on the wrist where it's like, hey, hey, remember us? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, this was once for us speaking for the audience and the players right and you kind of took that away now whatever you make it for the sponsor instead yeah and i and the good news is i I, it's a pretty easy fix and i'm sure the poker go uh come next year is gonna you know rectify this and 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 make it back to what it was and because they're very good at listening to the players and what the players want and yeah i agree they'll do that i do think the the dream seat aspect does make sense to have celebrities and uh, casual fans play together for a right have the tries. dream seat tournament yeah. right and like may, that fine like if if you want to include that as a part of the the overall pgt championship where it's like the winner of the dream seat tournament then gets to play the pgt championship fine yeah like it's one person one fine, person right? doesn't matter at right. all and then right. that becomes one person you can profile right, right? it's the amateur that gets into mm-hmm. the pga tour yeah. that type they of increase the field by 25 percent. exactly that's a big difference yeah. right um yeah and i think that's significant all right let's get out of here we've been dragging on and on uh we got twitter tuesdays that i missed three shows in a row so we're gonna wrap on that okay 
And I asked, uh, we asked you, what are your 2024 poker resolutions? Mine, obviously, is to play online more. I yeah. can't wait for that. Course, that that's yeah. cl- the amount of people who thought I was serious. <laughs> I thought you were serious at first. Are you too. serious? Uh, how? I just thought you were serious at first. I, I put the disguise emoji up. I think um, that's how you filter the people that follow you on Twitter but don't watch the show. Right. It was almost like the thing with you with the cat. And it's like, who is this? And it's like, it's Berkey with a cat. <laughs> Oh, thanks. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Chippy at Stugat says to stop the bleeding. Stugats. I feel you, bro. I, love it. I feel you. Brandon G. Smith says to get to five flags on the Hendon mob. So he's looking to go international. Mm-hmm. My guy, let's go. Chris at Baloo711 says to stop believing that the Mizreg can actually bluff the river because he should. They just <laughs> never do. LOL. Bro, just pay. <laughs> Just fucking pay. pay oh, I'm an idiot. I'm, I have you guys on screen. I, I, I was going to say something, but I didn't know if you ha- no, had you the got, you capability. Got Bro, to... I'm, I'm slow over here. Okay. All right. All right. Sam Warren says, flop more sets in No Limit Hold'em, flop fewer sets in PLO. Yeah. I, I, I get you. I get you, Sam. I understand. Uh, SCM Burrow at Burrow12345 says, to finally find the right spot to use my one time. I'm getting older now, and I've still got it in my back pocket. Mm. Let's, uh, let's hope you really use it wisely, sir. Blue says 15 hours a week studying before the WSOP so I can just cash one event and say I did it. I think that's a great actual <laughs> yeah. goal. Like some of these are memes, but that's that's a that's a real one right there. I like that. Uh Geek says to beat every month year over year. That's that's not in your control, but I, I'm rooting for you, kid. Yeah. That's hard. You might have to just like, you know, Martingale it. He can do it. Just raise the stakes every yeah. month. <laughs> Start at 25 cent, 50 cent in January, end the year at 2550. Mm-hmm. You'll be you'll be golden. Uh, and then Nadav says, I'm not sure what a good resolution would be, so I'm going to have to have a bot set one and get back to you. <laughs> Based. Uh. All right, team. That's going to do it for us. We are off for the weekend. We got the Academy coming next week. Let's so do. what we're going to do actually to bring you the podcast at the normal hour of 11 a.m. is we are going to record in the evening after the Academy. So you guys are going to get it live still uh the following morning at 11 a.m i should say live to tape uh we're not going to miss a beat so be sure to tune in monday 11 a.m pacific uh if you haven't already be sure to like subscribe comment you know all all that good stuff that uh we we need you to do in order to grow the channel uh, let us know your thoughts. Let us know your resolutions if you haven't already for 2024. And be sure to see us on Monday to celebrate the Steelers opening Let's round. Let's go Steelers! Let's go squad. We'll see you guys on Monday. Peace.